0: The 81st edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now.
1: Black holding high goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett. Can run the baseline. Hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out the head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89 72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews. Off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time.
0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh, Anthony, back with you guys today. We're going to take you through Carolina's win over Boston College on Wednesday night in the Smith Center. It was an ugly one, but Carolina got the W. They're going to get you ready for tomorrow's matchup with NC State in the Smith Center as Carolina is now hitting the portion of their season where they're going to start seeing their rivals. They got State tomorrow, Duke a week from tomorrow, a sign that we're getting deeper and deeper into the college basketball season. But... Before we get into the Boston College recap, do have to address the fact that I was unable to watch the game. I got, as I like to call call it, Valley Sports. Um, so I was not able to watch the game live on Wednesday night. Was able to radio the game instead of with with the game being blacked out in my area. So that means my co host, Anthony, is gonna take you through the recap. He'll take you through the box score. He's going to take you through the quarter of the game, stand of the game. Then we'll get to the takeaways, and that's when you'll hear me talk again. So, without any further ado, let me turn the show over to, uh, to Anthony as he takes us through Carolina's win over Boston College on Wednesday night.
1: There's a lot of pressure. I have never really hosted a show before, so this is this is going to be tough. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, you did get bally uh the other night. So, um, look, honestly – I'm not going to say you didn't miss anything, but you didn't miss much, especially for a guy that likes good, clean rebounding and uh, good shooting overall. Carolina, for the first time in program history, won a game where they shot less than 30% from the field. They shot 29.1% in the game. They end up getting the win, though, 58 to 47 over the Eagles. They improved to 11-0 at home and get their 13th win in a row overall at home, dating back, of course, to the loss against Marquette last season. Now 21-1 in the Smith Center over the last two seasons. So Carolina's taking care of business at home. And this was another one, you know, back-to-back games now uh, that the final score has been a little bit ugly I think the first thing that we got to talk about here is, you know, for you, is it concerning the way that this team has looked in these last two losses? Because or in these last two wins, excuse me, following the two losses, because, you know, I think a lot of people looked at Virginia Tech and and I think we're thinking more of the team that we saw in the preseason from Virginia Tech. That was that that's not really that good of a Virginia Tech team. Now you struggle in this game against Boston College. So are you getting to a point where you're concerned with the way Carolina's looking even in these wins?
0: I think it's twofold. I think one of it, one part of it is it's tired legs. Wednesday was their third game in five days. Um and, and I know they're college kids, but look at look at the rotation right now your starters are p- playing 35 minutes plus a night because right now you don't have a choice with with no Dawson Garcia and no Anthony Harris. But if, if I took off my lenses and said I want them to shoot the ball well and rebound the ball well and play clean, there's beauty in winning ugly because when you can win ugly, that's going to that's gonna show up a little bit later in the season. If you're going to make any sort of significant run in the NCAA tournament, you're going to have to win a game ugly, most likely. Um, and so getting that, getting that confidence that they can play games like that is really important for this team because for the first couple months of the year, it was, well, you got to score 80 or you're not going to win because you couldn't defend anybody. The, the, the game on Monday night, I said they won the game with their defense and the same could be said on Wednesday night as well. They didn't allow a point in the last seven and a half minutes of the ball game. Mm-hmm. That's, That doesn't happen unless you're competing defensively. And I think that's a really big key or a really big step for this team that the challenge is going to be when they go on the road next week at Louisville, does that same energy carry with them? Because it's been there at home for the most of the year um, where they've competed for as close to 40 minutes on the end of the court. It's when they've left the Smith Center where they haven't competed defensively. But, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to watch them not playing well, but they're winning And a team that can win in a lot of different ways is a dangerous team come March, and that's all that matters.
1: Uh, Well, I hate to say it. I think we actually are probably more of the optimist in these situations, because I still do see a lot of people uh, that are relatively negative. I was listening to uh, you know, the radio station that we work for here in Charlotte on WFNZ on Thursdays, they have Coach Matt Doherty on. Um, and he, you know, basically said, look, the last two games, they played they played opponents that aren't good. There's just a lot of reason to be concerned with what's going on uh, with this team right now. But you're right, I think defensively – this was a good effort in this game. I know Hubert Davis said that, look, Boston College missed, uh, you know, a lot of shots themselves, but I thought the effort overall, you know, on that end of the floor was, was pretty good. You know, you can debate it early on in the game on the, Uh, on the defensive glass because Boston College did have a lot of success there uh, in that first half, but I thought Carolina bounced back pretty well, and look, they held B.C. to 33% from the field. As we take a look at the box score, uh, just 20 of 60 shooting for B.C., but where Carolina really was able to do damage on the defensive end was holding them to just one of 16 from behind the arc, Six percent. They struggled in the first matchup against Carolina in that area as well. And in the second half, Carolina was just tremendous defensively. They allowed six total field goals in the second half um, and just 16 overall points to BC in that half. They allowed no three-pointers, 0 of 9 from deep for Boston College. And, yeah, as you mentioned, they held Boston College scoreless the final 7-13 of the game. And, look, Boston College is not a good shooting team. We know that. But you've got to to be putting in a strong defensive effort to be able to hold a team to that bad of a shooting night. Now, unfortunately for Carolina – wasn't a whole lot better on their end offensively shooting. 29% from the field. They actually shot worse than the Eagles. 16 of 55. Uh, but they were 6 of 7 from behind the arc. Uh, one thing that I think was very notable early on in the game was that Carolina, well, in that first half, they didn't shoot uh, great a- at all. They they shot just just about as bad in the second half. Um, you know, look, they they – did end up shooting five of nine from behind the arc in that first half. Uh, so that was what kind of kept them in a good position, very similar to what we saw against Virginia Tech. The three-point shooting uh, was what allowed them to lead at the half and and really was was their main output uh, of scoring in that first half. Um, but, you know, a uh, big difference in this game, 20 of 25 at the free throw line for Carolina, 80% shooting there as opposed to BC, 6 of 8 from the free throw uh, line, 75%. Uh, so Carolina did a really good job there getting to the line for the second straight game. And uh, it can really make a difference in some of these closer games like this. Uh, Carolina turns the ball over just eight times in this game. Uh, Boston College did score 10 points off of those turnovers, uh, but they did turn the ball over nine times. Uh, Now, to their credit, they did a good job of adjusting after having some turnover issues early on. I believe it was three of the first four possessions of the game they turned the ball over. Um, And Carolina, you know, only able to get six points off of those turnovers. That has been an issue for them throughout the year. On the glass – Carolina bounces back from early struggles. They were down at one point eleven to four on the glass to uh, b c but they do end up finishing with the advantage in that category forty four total rebounds for Carolina in this game thirty two of them on the defensive end, twelve of them on the offensive end. They lend in all three of those categories. Boston College finished with thirty eight total rebounds, thirty on the defensive end, and eight. On the offensive end, Carolina with eight second chance points to BC's six. Uh, Off the bench, Boston College, the better scoring team off the bench, as you would expect, with the fact that Carolina didn't play a lot of guys off the bench again in this game. 14 points for Boston College, off the pond, just eight for Carolina. Point paints. Uh, or excuse me, paint points, um, 30 for Boston College to Carolina's 18. That was definitely shocking. But, again, Carolina struggling to finish at the rim. That's a big storyline of what happened in this game. Fast break points, Boston College outscored Carolina 6-4. to Carolina with seven blocks in this game, including three from Leaky Black. They hold the advantage in that category over just two for Boston College. Uh, BC with four steals in the game, Carolina with three. Carolina seven assists in this game, so a negative assist-to-turnover ratio, but the same for Boston College as they had just five. Carolina, though, did end up leading this game for 34 points, Uh, 34 minutes and 43 seconds. So really dominated the game in terms of holding the lead. Never really felt like this was the game where Carolina was in big time trouble. uh, But still, they probably wish that they could have played a little bit of a cleaner game. Let's get into uh, – you know, first I, I, here, let me throw out the quote of the game to you guys. Uh, this was from Hubert Davis in the post game. He said – and he, he reiterated this when he was on with Jones Angel in the Continental Tires Coach's Corner on the broadcast uh, after the game. Uh, he did say, though, up at the podium, I feel like we were a little tired. You know, it's been uh, our third game in five days in preparation for those games in between. They are also going to class as well, and so I feel like we were just a little tired. I think that was a big storyline in this game, and we'll talk about that here coming up, and I think it was a big storyline, honestly, for both teams that were playing their third game Uh, In five days stat of the game, it's got to be that free throw shooting that was really the difference in this game for Carolina they remained aggressive getting to the line and did a good job of keeping Boston College from being able to get to the line pretty smart game defensively to go along with an efficient one Uh, so Carolina 20 of 25 at the free throw line to Boston College's six of eight at the free throw line Well, let's get into some of our takeaways from this game and I think first you know the the thing that everybody's going to remember about this game is the fact that Carolina continues to struggle shooting and now I think people are starting to wonder if it's time to be a little concerned uh, about the shooting woes that Carolina has had in these last two games Uh, even you know game even the game's Uh, You know, against Miami and and, and Wake Forest, especially that Miami first half. They did not shoot the ball well. So this team was playing very well out of the gate to start the year shooting the basketball. They're still one of the more efficient teams from behind the three-point line, but I think the concern now is that they're starting to struggle finishing at the rim, which was something that we never really thought we would see, especially after that run in the middle of the season from Armando Bacon.
0: Yeah, I mean – I'm not as concerned because I still think they're they're taking good shots more often than not. They're just not making them. And I think that's what you could just uh, attest to uh, a shooting slump, which every team at some point during the season is going to go through. Now, if we get back on here in a week or, or two weeks and Carolina's still shooting in the 30s or the low 40s, then maybe we'll have a discussion. But I still feel like for the majority of it, they're getting the shots they want to get. They've just got to be better at it, and I think the other night it's not an excuse. I think it was just a team that didn't have their legs, because you've played your third game in five days, and your starters have played the majority of those minutes on the court. So you're 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 more aiming your shot than you are just shooting your shot, and and that's going to be the, the the thing to. to to really monitor moving forward, this is a good shooting basketball team. that's something we haven't been able to say the last couple of years, but this team can shoot the ball and they can shoot the ball really well. I think we always wondered if they didn't shoot the ball really well, could they win and they proved that the other night, which I thought was a really uh was a really big confidence boot for the confidence boost for this group as they're still trying to find out who they are this season
1: yeah and, and you know I I think one of the things that's got to be pointed out with Baycott is it, he did end up having his hand wrapped the other night. And, and we've seen this before from him where he's gone through sort of these ups and downs, um, you know, where where he just has moments where he, he looks a little bit off with the shooting touch. And I think, you know, th- this is, this is part of, you know, there, there's going to be these ebbs and flows throughout the season where you really struggle um, to knock down shots, and, and you've got to find other ways to win games. And they've done a good job of that the last two games. Um, you know, it, it's just – it feels like with this team, because we know that this is a team that struggles defensively, they have to have that shooting come back to them. Because if they don't, you really feel like when they go back on the road, it's, it, it's going to be a concern – Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think they need to continue, though, to get the ball inside. And, look, the guards have done a good job of getting downhill uh, over these last couple of games. But you need to combine that with the guards getting downhill and finishing and the big men finishing as well when they get inside. So, uh, overall, I I think, you know, the team as a whole will get back on track. And I think Armando Baycott sooner rather than later We'll also get back on track. Um, I mean, I'm assuming you're with me in, in that you don't think this is a long-term issue uh, for Armando Bay County.
0: No, I think he's just going through a stretch where, look, he's also being defended differently now because you've got a month of, of film of you dominating games and taking over games. So teams are going to adjust to that and they're going to try to make it harder for you to get your buckets and, and make you work for the points you get. So you've got to counter that and be stronger around the rim and just be mindful of, of, of what's going to happen. And At some point, the ball is going to go in the basket. He's been too good this year to where he's not going to make those shots. Um, It's just he'll have to make slight adjustments throughout his game as teams adjust to him.
1: Well one of the areas where Carolina's made an adjustment over the last two games is their you know effort defensively. We questioned it, you know, in, in the two road games against Miami uh, and against Wake Forest, but Carolina's bounced back in the last two games. They they've played relatively well in terms of their effort level defensively. And again, you know, Boston College is not the greatest shooting team. They're not going to play many other teams that are going to shoot as bad as the Eagles did uh, the other night. But I think you're, you're seeing Carolina is showing the effort at home Uh, But you you just really need that effort to start showing up on the road. But I thought they did a great job in this game of taking away the lane. We knew that could be an issue. These are guards. uh, The the, the Lankford brothers are guards that really like to drive the basket and and, and do so aggressively. And Carolina did a really good job of taking that away, not letting it break them down. And, uh, you know, I think for the most part – the reason why Boston College got some of those early baskets and why they were only down two at the half was, you know, they were able to get some good post position. But Carolina made the adjustment in the second half, took that away, and 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 I think that's kind of what we're looking for from this team. Where even if they do have a slow start to games, they're able to bounce back and make those adjustments in the second half.
0: Yeah, I, I... – they wouldn't have won their night if, if they hadn't competed defensively. You you hold a team for over seven minutes without a without a point. That's that's real. I don't care who the opponent is, let alone a uh, ACC opponent. So it's 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 bottling that up. It's carrying that over into tomorrow, but then it's carrying it over to the road. And it it's like on the road, it, it comes down to some of its energy, and then it, it's like the communication just breaks down in the building. The other night they fought they scrapped because they didn't have a choice, and maybe they need to go play a road game where they're not shooting the ball worth the crap at all, and they have no choice but to to play defense to give themselves a chance and it's 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 been it's been frustrating to see, but it also makes sense as a team that is adjusting to to playing in live arenas on the road. they didn't do that last year until the NCAA tournament and then, or the ACC tournament, and of course, the the uh, the NCAA tournament that was limited crowd. It wasn't even some of the crowds they've they've seen already. What they're still going to see with the trip to Louisville. Still got to go to NC State. Still got to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium as well. But you have to like what you've seen after that Wake Forest game because after Wake Forest, you could have questioned if this team cared defensively. They've shown the last two nights or their last two games. That they do care. It's just now finding a way to carry over that same energy, that same that effort, that same toughness when you're not playing in the friendly confines of the Dean Smith Center.
1: Yeah, and and I think we're just looking for that point in the season where it starts to get back on track. And and who knows? Maybe this homestand is is where that defense. Mm gets back on track and and really is able to just close it out. And again, we're not even looking for them to be as good as they've been at times at home defensively, or even in what is pretty much an anomaly at this point that we've learned uh, in the game up at Boston College where they shut them down defensively. We're looking for just average performances defensively on the road. And it feels like this team's more than capable of, of giving that to us. It's just they have to show us uh, that they can actually do it. But, you know, I, I think it, it's showing that the message seems to be getting across at times – Now it's about, again, that thing we've talked about so much, consistency. You have to be able to start doing it night in and night out. And hopefully that's, you know, a characteristic of this team as as they kind of grow throughout the season. We've seen it before where Carolina teams grow more consistent as the year goes along. You need that to be the case. Uh, In this one, one of the other guys that, you know, over these last two games has really sort of stepped up and this has been on the offensive end. And I know people are saying, well, why are you talking about an offensive performance in a game where you ended up shooting 29.1% from the field? Well, look, Leaky black deserves to be talked about here for his performance in the last two games. He had eight points in this game the other night on two or three shooting, three or four from the foul line, and he did hit another three-pointer in this game. He actually let off the scoring with the three-pointer that he hit early in the first half. You know, again, eight points, it, it's not mind-blowing. This isn't a guy that's going to light up the stat sheet offensively. We know that. But it seems like when he can give you something on the offensive end, It 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 can be enough to be the difference in the game. So, uh, you know, I thought the other night was a great representation of that. He hit one of the biggest shots down the stretch of the game um, on a lay-in late that extended Carolina's lead to seven and pretty much put the game out of reach. So. Uh, I I thought, once again, he stepped up and and played a big role for Carolina offensively in this game. And they kind of need him to be able to do that moving forward if they want to be able uh, to reach their peak of success.
0: Yeah, I thought the other night, and even the game against Virginia Tech, he made the shots that we've been wanting him to make all season long, which is when the opportunities present themselves – Take the shot and make the shot, because it's only going to open up the offense for everybody else on the court if they have to. If if you force a defender to defend you, and and I thought he he's really played well these last two games. Carolina doesn't win those two games without Leaky Black doing what he did the other night. Eight points, two of three from the field, made the three pointer, was three of four from the foul line, five assists, four rebounds. No turnovers, all while drawing the defensive assignments, and he did it all in 38 minutes, and and that that's a key. He he is he is the glue guy for this team. As as much flack as he's gotten from myself, and a, and a lot of Tar Heel fans, you you take Leaky Black away from this team, and this team would have been in shambles at certain times, especially on the defensive end of the court. And it's it's going to be unfair to ask him to be an offensive. Uh, producer night in night out that's just not who he is but when the opportunities present themselves he needs to be able to take advantage of him he did that the other night and it's only going to help his confidence and like I said if he can take a couple shots a game and make them it's only going to open up the floor for himself and his teammates and 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 then he'll do then Carolina's offense will take it take it to another level in the half court.
1: Well, and look, it's like we were talking about just before he sort of went on this this little streak that he's had here on the offensive end of the floor. You're, you're just looking for him not to be a liability out there for mm-hmm. you offensively. And, uh, you know, prior to this run, he had had four games where he had not scored this season on the offensive end and a couple other games where he had finished with either two points or three points. Um, so you, you're... You're wanting him to be confident when he's taking these shots. And I think we've just seen it. There's moments where he's wide open and is just not shooting the basketball. And, I mean, look, some people are probably saying, well, that's a good thing because when he has shot the basketball, he had not shot it well. But you you can't have a guy out there that a defense can literally just leave wide open because then – it's going to sort of clog up the paint, like we've talked about. That's the thing. We wanted to sort of spread teams out because we wanted to, you know, allow the guards to be able to drive the paint. Well, if you've got a guy that's not really doing anything on the wing for you, it makes it easier for them to be able uh, to try to take away those paint drives um, and, and, you know, dare you to kick it out to Leaky Black and dare him to shoot it. So – I think the fact that he is looking a little more confident and that he is able to do something offensively with the ball is extremely encouraging and look the other night again he also had a pretty good defensive game we we have been critical of him the last you know few games of, of not being the guy that we needed him to be on the defensive end of the floor. bounced back had a really really good game the other night um and 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 you know a- ends up uh, with three blocks entering uh, you know, a category that very few uh, Tar Heels are in, with uh, 500 points. Uh, what is it? 400 rebounds? I don't have it in front of me right here. I don't know. Do you know that one right off the top of your head?
0: No, but he's one of only six players to have a handful of stats that they make up just to have a stat because that's what we do in 2022. But his his versatility's been it's been on display. Since he arrived in Chapel Hill and he he still never became the player I think we hoped he would be, what we expected him to be, but he's proven this year he has a role and he has a value, and Carolina's gonna need him moving forward.
1: Uh so yeah, I got it right here. Five hundred points, four hundred rebounds, two hundred steals, or mm-hmm. two hundred assists, one hundred steals and fifty blocks. He joins Danny Green, David Noel, Jack Manuel, George Lynch. And the legendary James Worthy in that category. I also um,
0: did all of those things in church ball on one leg with a torn ACL. Just FYI,
1: you have not scored 500 points in your basketball career ever, and that includes all the pickup games that you played in your front yard. <laughs> no way, but uh, yeah, and 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 just you know, so again, showing that that he is a versatile piece for Carolina. Um, but, yeah, when he scores on the offensive end, Carolina's a, a much better team. Last thing that we'll talk about here before we'll, uh, you know, turn it over to you and, and and start previewing the game against NC State. I, I thought, you know, Hubert Davis addressed it from the Carolina side of things, and it was definitely evident. I thought – From really both sides, fatigue played a really big factor in this game. I mean, when you, you know, go the last seven minutes and 13 seconds without scoring in a game uh, from, from Boston College's standpoint, I mean, look, part of that is that, you know, Carolina did a good job defensively. Part of that is that you're really just not that great of a team. But that was a team that was playing their third game in five days because of a game rescheduled because of COVID Carolina was doing the same. And, you know, the thing is Carolina over these last two games, this is the worst time for everything that has happened to Carolina to happen. So you, you know, got Dawson Garcia having to go back home because of a family illness and and look that's a situation that he can't control not saying that he should be here with the team or whatever that's you know a situation that we're wishing you know him and his family the best and sending you know thoughts and prayers to them during this difficult time It just stinks that it happened during this stretch where you do have three games in five days. And then, you know, Anthony Harris, he ends up being deemed ineligible for the rest of the season. So those are two guys in your rotation that are gone. Your bench has been shrunk. Carolina is now down to basically playing eight guys uh, uh, total in games, Um, maybe the occasional ninth guy. But Carolina's really thinned down that rotation. And you can see it just in the minutes load over the last couple of games uh, that Carolina isn't playing many of the guys off the bench. They're really just trying to get through everything that's going on right now with their starters and and the guys that they are most familiar with. Uh, and, and it's definitely starting to take a, a little bit of a toll. I mean, Carolina, look, over the last two games – the starters have played a combined 352 minutes as opposed to the bench group, which has played just 47. So th- this is a, a little bit of an issue, I think, even going into this game against State. I know that Carolina you know, had the extra day off in between, but I, I don't know if I'm really saying that Hubert Davis needs to do a better job of, of managing this because I feel like you are kind of limited with some of the guys that are out there. I mean, we're talking about the eighth guy in your rotation being a guy in Puff Johnson who's still coming back from injury. So this is this is a tricky time for Huber Davis when it comes to managing your starters and your bench guys. But it, right now, uh, you know, it, it's pretty evident that there is a little bit of fatigue that set in the other night and could set in in this game on Saturday against State.
0: Yeah, I'll reiterate what I've said since the season started. Um, this is why you play your, your younger players in November and December. Especially, you're still dealing with COVID. You have Dawson Garcia's family emergency pop up. Anthony Harris suddenly unavailable. So now you're not confident to put those guys in the game. And, and I get it. It was a tight, tightly contested game and and all that. But as as well conditioned as these guys are, you can't expect them to play thirty five minutes a night moving forward and think you're gonna go very far. On the mm-hmm. flip side, you gotta give them credit for every guy staying out of foul trouble because especially when it comes to Mondo and Manic, if if one of them get in foul trouble, Carolina's gonna be really thin down low. But that's something that there's there's no way he doesn't regret not doing it. Um, I, you know, I thought Kerwin Walton getting 11 minutes the other night, that was big. Justin McCoy got six, and then and Puff Johnson had five minutes and but really impacted the game. It'd also be easier if those guys, when they came off the bench, they more of an impact. But I think it just goes back to that's why when you were up 25-30 against the Yelons and the Furmans and the App States, give those guys run because – it, it, it's it's going to be important for them, you were hoping, this year, but most importantly next year. And you're in a situation now where you could really use those guys to just give you two or three minutes, but you don't have confidence to put them in the ball game. And at some point, it, it, if, had they lost the other night, you could come on here and say that they lost because they were tired. But it would have played a factor into it because their legs are tired and hopefully this this two days off between games on set before tomorrow night's game against NC State will go a long way for them in their recovery and and but but then they turn around and they play again on Tuesday so they've really just got to weather the storm hopefully you get Dawson back in a in a in a friendly time manner but this 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 is why you play as many players as you can in November and December because that way if you get into this situation you'd be more confident to say DeMarco or Dontrez, I need you to give me three or four quality minutes, which right now he won't say it publicly. He's not confident in those guys to play big-time roles in big-time games.
1: He's not confident in them to play any role. I mean, he showed it the other night. They did not step on the floor at all in a game where you had your shortest rotation of the entire season. One thing that I think is going in their favor right now is that you're playing – Teams, the last two teams that you've played are not deep basketball teams. When you start getting later into your schedule and you start facing some of these teams that can go a little bit deeper into their bench, which you'll see that when you play Duke in you know, next weekend. Um, so that, that's really where it's going to start, where you're going to see teams that are much deeper and, and can give you some trouble with how deep they are. That's the thing that's a little bit scary you know, when it comes to playing the guys more, yeah. I mean, the the, the freshman, yes. The problem is, is that one of the guys that's in the rotation, Puff Johnson, wasn't available due to injury. You had Kerwin Walton, who had to, you know, you could have played him more uh, before you got into conference play and even early in conference play, but he had to go through health and safety protocol. So that was another thing that kind of threw a little bit of a wrench into their plans this season because who was the other guy? that was out for a little bit of time and didn't get to, you know, get a little bit of extra playing time so that he could be prepared for these moments. Justin McCoy was in health and safety protocols at one point. So all of these guys that are deep were originally deeper bench guys for you. Um, You'll really be on your main six that you roll with. A lot of them, you know, have had their, their issues of either not being put on the court by the coaching staff or you know, not being able to be on the court because of the health and safety protocols. So it's, you know, that that's one of the challenges that you've got to negotiate right now. And uh, yeah, I think that's one thing that Huber Davis needs to look at going forward, because we think that, you know, as far as we know, um, you know, and, and what we've seen so far over the last couple of years Uh, That could be one of those times of the year, November, December, where COVID starts to pop back up year in and year out. So they're going to have to be prepared for that moving forward. That's going to be an element uh, that you're going to have to deal with moving forward. So we'll see how they end up navigating that and how they end up navigating that fatigue in the game on Saturday against NC State. Speaking of that game we're going to preview that one when we come back Uh, but first we'll let you hear from the sponsor DraftKings and uh, you are going to give us uh, a little bit of an offer here for uh, NFL uh, championship weekend so here's that ad from DraftKings we'll be back right after this.
0: Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer. You can experience the conference championships with the same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN, the basketball podcasting network, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per, one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See draftkings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the great offers I've been giving you on the four-corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog side of things. Let's dive right into NC State. The Wolfpack visit Chapel Hill tomorrow, and they bring with them, as they usually do, the losing record. Because, well, they're a losing, they're a losing program. State comes in with a ten and eleven record overall, just three and seven in the ACC. Big reason why, and I really hated it for them because the the kid's are a really good player. They lost Manny Bates for the season, and it really just affected them from top to bottom, but with him being out for the rest of the year, it has allowed Deron Sebron to to really emerge. He leads the team in points, assists, rebounds, and blocks. Anytime I've watched NC State, that kid is going off, and he's going to be a a, a big-time part of what State's going to try to do tomorrow night. They only got three guys averaging double-figure scoring. You got Jericho Helms who averages 14.5 points per game. And then you got Traquavion Smith, who averages 14.4 points per game. Both of them trail Sebron, who averages roughly 19 points per game. But Kevin Keats' squad is – they've had a rough year. Um, as I mentioned, a lot of that is due in large part to the injury too many baits. But – um they've they haven't had the type of season they expect they wanted to have or expected to have and and frankly the n c state program under Kevin Keats's watch hasn't had the type of success I think Many people within the NC State program expected, and a lot of people around the ACC expected them to have. Because when he came over from UNCW, we we really people had a lot of high hopes and high expectations for him. And he, you know, he upset Carolina his first year in the Smith Center. He's got a win over Duke as well, but it hasn't all culminated into. NC State really returning to a premier player in the ACC which was I think what the hope was when he was hired. The switch over to the Carolina side of things. Carolina comes in 14 and 6 overall. They're 6 and 3 in the ACC. They got four players averaging double figure scoring, still led by Armando Bacon, 16.2 points per game. Found this nugget on the notes provided by GoHeels.com, through 11 games, and if this number holds up, it'll it'll be a record. But through 11 games, Carolina is holding opponents to just 60.9 points per game in the Smith Center. That is the lowest total in the history of the building. So we'll be able to monitor that as a fun stat throughout the rest of the season. Carolina is 161 and 79. All time against the Pack and are 79 and 23 in games played in Chapel Hill. Our guy, your guy, everybody's guy, Roy Williams, will be honored at tomorrow's game, which was fitting because he was 33 and 5 against NC State during his coaching career. I selfishly thought it would have been much more fun to do it next Saturday. When when Duke comes to town, which, will of course, will be Coach K's final game in the Smith Center during the rivalry, but this one is also fitting as well. Carolina basketball tweeted out a video of him, you know, talking about what it would mean to, to, to beat NC State again while he's being honored and how much fun he had beating NC State during his head coaching career. But he won't be the only one in the building. That 1982 national title team will also be recognized. 40-year anniversary of Dean Smith's first championship team, which means that's right, the GOAT, Michael Jordan, will be back in the building, which I believe will be for the first time since senior night and back in 2017 when he showed up. During that, for that game, of course, dropped the mantra, the ceiling is the roof, which was really the ending point for the Larry Fedora era on the football side of things. Yeah, uh, but he that may was have last also time.
1: had a few alcoholic drinks before <laughs> taking the mic. So needless to say, it's state,
0: it's Carolina. There's going, there's already going to be emotion in the building, but when you're honoring your legendary Hall of Fame head coach who just retired and the greatest player to ever play the game is going to be in your building, there's going to be some extra juices in the building tomorrow afternoon. And, and Carolina's got to handle all of that. They've they've got to understand and, and I think Hubert Davis's selling point is gonna say is gonna be kind of like when we played Michigan and that was the first big time crowd a lot of these these players got to experience. Tomorrow's gonna to be a big reason why you come to Carolina. A rivalry game. The game means more to you than it means to them in terms of trying to, you know, achieve your, your goals, but State can salvage their season with the win on the road in Chapel Hill, but you're going to have the crowd. You're going to have Roy Williams in the building. You're going to have Michael Jordan in the building. There's going to be a lot of Tar Heel alumni in the building, which is part of why you come play at Carolina. So you got to handle all that. And the first key to the game is you got to handle the pressure that State's going to apply to the ball. This isn't a normal Kevin Keats team where they're going to press for 40 minutes and – do it in a full court fashion, but they're still going to pressure the ball. They're still going to make you work to try to get your offense, especially coming off the last performance you had on on Wednesday, where you shot twenty nine percent, and luckily you were able to win the game, but you didn't you didn't play very well on offense. So this has been something that's kind of like with the the defense at home, Carolina has been very good at protecting the ball the other night, just eight turnovers. You go back earlier against Virginia Tech this week, single-digit turnovers as well, but they they didn't see the pressure they're going to see, the traps, and then the double teams that you're going to see from NC State. So the very first key is, and it it really comes down to Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, and it may be even so Leaky Black now uh, as well, handle the pressure. Beat the double teams, make smart passes, make good passes and and hopefully, if you do all that, it'll allow your offense to to get back in rhythm and start flushing at a high level once again.
1: Yeah, look, this is you know another team in in state that i I think isn't at the level of Miami, which Carolina struggled against you know a couple of weeks ago. Uh, on the road w- as a team that could create a lot of turnovers. I mean, teams are averaging 13.1 turnovers per game against state, 7.7 steals. So it's an aggressive team. And, and yeah, th- so far, you know, the last two times that we've kind of talked about these teams that are going to pressure the basketball and, get, and, and cause issues for you uh, offensively have been Miami and Wake Forest. So uh, – and and Notre Dame as well uh, was where I was actually going with that one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, th- th- this is, you know, something that we talked about so much over the last couple of years. That, look, if you don't take care of the basketball, this team has shown that, look, they they have their moments where they play good offensively. But if you turn it over too much, teams just simply slow the game down on you and you're not efficient enough in the half court to be able to make up for 16 17 turnovers in a game that's just not the way that you are able to play anymore um and that's fine so carolina's got to value the ball in this game as you mentioned at home they've done a much better job of that than they've done on the road so yeah I, i i think they're they're going to know that coming in, but again, it, it really goes back to the guards in that situation. Those are the guys that have struggled the most with turnovers, um, you know, th- throughout these last few seasons. And it's just, you know, guys trying to make hero plays, guys just dribbling themselves into trouble, and you've got to avoid those type of mistakes in this game. Um, I think, you know, in, in the Smith Center, Caleb Love has has been just so much better than he's been on the road this year. He is, you know, even though he hasn't been the most efficient player scoring wise, he's done a good job of handling the basketball when he's been at home. So I think that's the main guy that has to take care of the basketball on this game. I think he'll do just that. Uh, even though NC state is going to throw a lot of different things at you.
0: Yeah. My, the second key to the game, and maybe this might be a key to the game moving forward Carolina's got to get back to finishing at the rim. And, look, NC State is – they don't have the type of athletes that uh, are going to be able to keep Carolina from getting what they want. They've only got two two players on their roster, 6'11 or taller. Mm-hmm. But the thing about them is, is they're going to fight and they're going to scrap and, and they're going to try to make Carolina earn it because that's what Boston College did and that's what Virginia Tech did. And it's not just Armando Baycott and – and Brady Manick, though, it's Carolina's guards. It's it's Caleb Love and R.J. Davis when they're attacking the gl- when they're attacking the rim, they've got to be strong enough and confident enough to finish through the contact and and then embrace the contact, invite the contact, and you know there's. Over the years, Carolina's been labeled as a soft team, and I, if, if there's a team that's earned it, you could argue this team has earned it, because they have had moments where they have five, six, seven shots at the rim in a possession, and they don't finish. So they they they, they got to get stronger finishing with the ball when they get the ball that close to the basket, because you you, you can only miss so many of those types of shots before it's going to come back and bite you in the butt. you got you were able to get by Virginia Tech. You were able to get by Boston College. You could argue that NC State might not be the, might not be better than Virginia Tech, but they're going to be more invested than Virginia Tech was the other night. And you don't want to look back and, and lose a rivalry game and say, "Well, we lost because we couldn't make our layups."
1: And you're right; they don't have the size inside. That when they lost Manny Bates, that was the thing that most people felt like was going to hurt them were teams that could get the ball inside. And this Carolina team is capable of doing that. Even over the last couple of games, you know, people have said, well, they've been throwing a lot of different things at, at, Bacon. and and the teams have to their credit, they've made the adjustment and they've thrown a lot of different double team looks and, and, and other different pressures at him uh, that have forced him into some of these misses. But I think a lot of it is just, he hasn't been able to finish at the rim. And, and, and that's something that, you know, he's got, he, he's got to work on. And he probably knows that he was out there after the game the other night working on that, uh, you know, just a few minutes after the conclusion of the game. So I, you know, it, I, I think this is yet another game where the focus has to be put the ball inside as often as you can and go to work down there. And, and again, I don't think it's just uh, it, it should all just be on Armando Baycott in terms of, you know, offensively making things happen down low. I think there's been too many times where you've just seen Brady Manick be way too passive when it's come to trying to go on the block. He's settling for trying to take these outside shots. Go down low because this team is not going to have – this This is one of the smallest teams that you will play this year because they do end up – I mean, they they got a guy in in Ebenezer – uh, DeWanna, who plays 26 minutes a game, he starts every game for them. I um, mean, is pretty much their five guy, but he's 6'11", and he doesn't really do a whole lot all that well for them. So that's a guy that you can take advantage of. And then outside of that, they're going to have to put a much smaller player on Brady Manick. So That's where I think you can take advantage of those guys. I don't understand why against these more athletic teams, you've seen him trying to stand outside – um, and, and, and make jump shots out there and, and really try to take advantage of, uh, of the perimeter area of the game against more athletic defenders. That doesn't really make any sense to me. Get on the block against these guys that are thinner and, and, and let's see – back them down and let's see what you got. And he's another guy that even over the last two games – it hasn't just been Armando who struggled to finish at the rim. It's been him as well. So we'll, we'll see how they approach it in this game. But I think these last two games, that's going to be sticking in their mind on Saturday in this one. And, hey, we've had our opportunities in these last two games. Let's be honest. If we finish those opportunities, we'd probably win both those games by 20 points or more. So they need to be able to take advantage inside. And, you know, I, I feel like – this is one of those games where historically, even when Carolina's come in and they've had some of these moments, these ups and downs where they haven't finished well at the rim, these, these games against NC State are usually the games where you see them sort of round into form and start to finish well at the rim, and I think they'll do that in this one.
0: The final key to the game is is outside of Armando Baycott, Sevron might be the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, he leads their team in points, rebounds, assists, and blocks. Pretty impressive. If their record was a lot better, he would be the clear front-runner to be the ACC player of the year. And he'll, he'll have an argument to still do that when you're leading your team in all those categories, despite your team not having a good record. You cannot let him completely take the game over, which he's more than capable of doing just that. And I think that was something that, um, you know, uh, against Wake Forest it was – don't let Alondis Williams take the game over, and you got beat by Jake Laravia. Here's the thing: Helms, Smith, they're good players. They're they're ACC players. They're not as good as the Laravias, the McGusties, the other guys, the, the 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 Robins to the Batmans of their teams that can effectively beat you. So you 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 have. You cannot let Sebron dictate what you want to do on both ends of the court. He has the capability to to dictate what you do, but you can't let him. And I think it's going to be something where this will be one of the toughest assignments that whoever draws him for the majority of the game, and this this should be a game where he gets multiple defenders. You try to wear him down. Use the length of, of Leaky Black. Use the physicality of Caleb Love. Use the uh, the the toughness that R.J. Davis is going to play defense with. You can't let this guy take the game over. You can't let him get comfortable. You can't let him get confident. He, he's going to get his points, but you got to make sure he earns those points. You're not just giving him free free walks to the basket. So that's my final key to the game. I feel like if you limit his impact on the game, you've got a relatively good chance of getting another win over NC State.
1: Well, there's no doubt that he should be circle on the scouting report. Uh, I mean, he, as you mentioned, he he might be the most complete guard in this conference this season. I mean, he's averaging 9.2 rebounds a game to to go along with those 19 points per game. I mean, he – can really do it all for him. And he's 6'7", so he, he's a little bit of a, a matchup nightmare. Now, the good news is, is that he's only shooting 24% from the outside, so he's not as big of a three-point threat as some of the other guards that you've played uh, here recently, like Isaiah Wong, Cameron McGusty, um, Alondis Williams. Those are the types of guys that that have hurt you a lot over these last couple of games. But still, he's a versatile guy. He's going to want to take you to the rim. So, Carolina's got to be prepared for that. And that's an area where they've had some trouble. They, they, you know, as we've said, they've struggled throughout the year at containing uh, off the dribble. So, they've got to be able to do that in this one. Yeah, this is one where I like what you said about switching guys on and off, trying to keep, you know, throw different guys at them. Leakey's going to draw the majority of this assignment, and look, there's been times this year where he's looked really, really good against some of those big names. Uh, Michael DeVoe is the guy that sticks out the most, but there's other times where he's struggled against some of those guys that he's drawn. This one, I think Leaky is your best matchup because Sebron's 6'7", so he's got the size to shoot over some of these smaller guards. That's why you're going to want the taller Leaky to be matched up with him more often than not. Um, shockingly, I can't believe this is actually true. I may actually be a little higher on Helms and Smith than you are. I think both of those guys are more than capable uh, of scoring against you. Um, I wouldn't put them up there with the combination of Alondis Williams, uh, Davion Williamson, and Jake Laravia, but I do think that – uh, this is a, a really solid group, and if Carolina is not careful, these are guys that could give you a lot of trouble. The thing that scares me with, with, with particularly with Helms, is that the matchup for him is going to be Brady Manic, and we saw back-to-back games Manic get taken advantage of, having to go out and defend on the perimeter. Mm-hmm i I mean he's played better over the last couple of games. I thought he did a, a a really solid job against kevi Aluma, so we'll see because i don't i I know that Aluma has not had the season that many people thought he would. I don't think Jericho Helms is a better player than Aluma, but I do think that it's something that Carolina has to be aware of. I would like to see them throw some zone out there against them. I just don't think that's going to happen ultimately. Um, But I do think that, you know, with the effort that we've seen in the last two games and with the effort that we've seen really at home defensively, especially taking away those driving lanes, I think Carolina's got a a chance to be able – Uh, to shut down what these guys want to do best. But it's definitely one of those things that I'm going to be keeping an eye on early in the game and will kind of determine uh, the direction, I think, of this game on the defensive end of the floor.
0: Carolina enters with an 82.8% chance to win tomorrow. I don't know how much of a chance State had to win the game to begin with, Given the fact that Carolina is undefeated at home and they're just a different team in the Smith Center, you add in Roy Williams's presence and Michael Jordan's presence, you're probably going to get the second best crowd of the entire year right there behind the Duke game, which we'll have one week from tomorrow I think I think Carolina is treating this, or hopefully they're going to use this three game. Home stand as a springboard to to really get them back to where they want to get to after a disappointing week last week. I, I know they haven't played very well on the offensive end of the court, but I do think they have improved as a basketball team in a lot of different ways, and they're getting more confident as well. I think they're going to win, and, and, and I, I think I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means of the imagination, but I think it's going to be a lot cleaner a lot prettier than the first two wins earlier this week. And I think Hubert Davis will earn his first win in the rivalry.
1: Uh, Yes, no doubt I'm picking Carolina to win this game. I will never pick that team in red uh, or the team in the darker shade of blue. Um, But, yeah, I I think this has always seemed to be – sort of a I'm not going to say get right game but this is a game where usually Carolina comes out and plays one of their best games of the season and I know well maybe that's a thing only under Roy Williams I saw somebody today say well you know I heard Hubert Davis talking about NC State and the matchup against them he I don't think he really cares as much as Roy did okay well first of all that's really hard to care as much as Roy did. They, you could almost make the argument in some circumstances that this was a rivalry that Roy Williams, you know, cared about. I'm not going to say cared about more, but he definitely I think had some more hatred for NC State than he did for Duke because I think of the the, the respect factor with Mike Shashevsky on the other side where he didn't really have that for NC State because, frankly, there's not a whole lot to respect about them in his time there. When you win 33 of 38 games against them, I mean, there's not really much to respect on the other side. Um, but, but, But I think that's crazy. I think Hubert Davis knows how important this game is. I think the players on this team know how important this game is. This is the team that you are supposed to take uh, you know, to take advantage of year in and year out. It's little brother. It's a team that has not had historical success against you. And once again, this season, you are the better team. I, I know that Carolina's had their ups and downs. They are clearly the better, more talented team in this game. This, this team that they're going to face is scrappy and-, and-, and feisty. I think that's the way to kind of describe them. They don't really get blown out. This is not like some of the other teams that Carolina has faced this season that they've beaten where when they lose, they've been blown out. This is a team that seems to be in every game. So Carolina is going to have a fight on their hands. But I think the offensive struggles for Carolina can come to an end because this is a team that's not that great defensively for State um, so far this season. I mean, they're allowing – Opponents, 73.7 points per game. So this could be a high-scoring affair. Carolina's fared very well in those so far this season. Um, I think that, you know, it's been – two off shooting nights for the guards from behind the arc. We've talked about how them having to make big shots from the outside. I thought they made a couple against uh, Virginia Tech, particularly late in the game, but overall they didn't shoot it great. It feels like this is one of those games where they will shoot it really well from the outside, and I think Armando Baycock gets back on track. I think there's going to be some extra motivation for him with it being state to get this thing back, uh, going in the right direction, allow him to finish, you know, Better inside, and i i think carolina I, I don't think it'll be a significant win because as i said just a second ago state's been a, a team that's fought throughout the season has kept a lot of games close but i think carolina gets the victory over nc state and wins uh they're 14th straight in the smith center to get to 15 and 6 and be exactly where they need to be before they get ready to head back out on the road
0: There you go, guys. Both Anthony and myself predicting Carolina victories tomorrow over NC State. over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. There will be an article previewing the game, an article recapping the game, as well as I continue, as we continue, to take you through the 2021-22 basketball season. There's also football Coverage up on the site as well. We are in the off-season mode, so weekly storylines are back. But next week will also be the final national signing day for the 2022 recruiting period, so we'll have you covered on that front as well. As Anthony's keeping you updated on the latest going around going on around the Tar Heel football program. That's for the podcast. You know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone, which you can find us on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast. We will show up, like the pod, review the pod, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any of the podcasts during the season. What well, is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast I want to thank Anthony for not only co-hosting, but actually hosting a segment of tonight's show. I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, Go Tar Heels!